Psalms chapter 3. Psalms chapter 3. I shared with you I, last few Sundays I've been sharing particular passages that are meaningful to me. Um, and so this is a particular one that I enjoy. Enter the new year and and what lays before us, obviously we don't know, but we can probably speculate on some general things. We can expect the troubles to increase on Christians. <laughs> I would suspect that they're not going to be nicer to us. I expect them to be less nice. I expect it to get progressively worse. I expect it to go to the point to where we stand between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. And then we will see the deliverance of our God in our lives. But until then, we're here, right? <laughs> and that's really what we got to talk about. And I just want to encourage you from this passage of Scripture that has so encouraged me over the years. One of the first ones to, 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 that God used in my life to help me to just keep walking. Just keep walking. Uh, I like to go backpacking, as many of you know, and the one thing I've learned about backpacking is you have to keep walking. Because if, you, if you stop, you're not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> you end up in the woods. You end up lost. You end up somewhere other than where you're supposed to be. You have to go to the end. And I've shared the story before. We often go on the Suwannee River to White Springs, and the White Springs, the, the, the Stephen Foster Park there, that's where we come out at often. It's a beautiful section of the river, and it's an enjoyable time. But the, part of the reason I enjoy it so is as you get close to Stephen Foster, the bells start, you can hear the bells. You can hear, hear the bell tower. And the louder it gets, the closer you know you are. And, and, and when you can hear it plain, you have arrived. <laughs> You're like, yes, we have made it. And so keep listening for the bells. God's going to sound. All right? Let's pray together and get started. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you how you've continued to work in our lives. As my sister said earlier, despite what I am, you still demonstrate your love toward us. And so, Father, let us glean some things from these, this passage this morning that might encourage us, that might help us. As we face a new year, there's a lot of hope and excitement in it. The world has all sorts of things planned, hope they, they hope to do, but you're the one who orders the steps. You're the one who dictates how it's going to be. So help us to walk in it. We love you, Father, and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, uh, you may have a heading on in your scripture, your particular text, that says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. And in context, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, David is uh, in Second Samuel picking up in about first, chapter 14 all the way through chapter 18. There's a section there between about Absalom and what he's, what he's attempting to do. And then the short version is he's attempting to take over the kingdom. He, he, he wants to be king, and he's going to assert the authority of his father. It's kind of rooted in the... Amon and, and, and Tamara situation. Uh, he didn't like the way his dad handled that situation, and so he became quite angry and pursued it, and to the point where he led a revolt against David. And there's a time there where David has to flee for his life, and so this is where this psalm comes from. That's the context in which David is speaking these words. So we look at it and we see, he says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me, Many are they who save me. There is no help for him in God. Selah. So we, we were told right then we need to stop and think about this for just a few moments. And I just want to encourage you, look, that, hey, they're going to rise. Psalms 3, Psalms chapter 3, say it twice for the men. 
right? Um, it is Psalms 3, and he, he, he is having these people rise up against him. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13, I believe it is, the people one by one begin to change their heart from David toward Absalom. He begins to sway their hearts toward him. So when David says, many are they who rise up against me, he's literally talking about this event. As each member of the kingdom continues to listen to what Absalom is saying, the lies that Absalom is presenting, the words in which he's trying to dissuade them, he says things like, oh, if I were the judge in Israel, I would have handled your case. Oh, I would have took care of that problem for you. Oh, if I were the one. Oh, if I could do that for you, I would have done it. And so one by one, he sways the kingdom against him to the point where he gets an army raised up. And David is saying, he's acknowledging, how are they who have increased your trouble? Can I say this? That you, You're really just going to have to go ahead and acknowledge that trouble is going to increase in your life. All those who attempt to live godly are going to suffer persecution. It's going to come. And by definition, if you sit here today as one who's been born again, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, made new, you call yourself a child of God. Your brother is the king. Persecution. You should expect them to rise up continually against you. The world is being told, oh, if I were only the one in charge. Oh, if I were the one, I would fix your problems. Isn't that what every politician in the world has ever said? If you just send me your money and make me in charge, I'll take care of you. I'll do it problem, right? I couldn't help and I, I, I couldn't help that there's a politician in New York who has shut down New York so she fled to Florida where she could do what she wanted for a season. But that's just me. I'm sorry. That's as far as I'm going. Oh, if you just put me in charge I would take care of it. Guys, if you're a Christian that's going to happen. And if you strive after the things of God, if the world really plainly sees you're a Christian you can expect them to increase. They're just going to keep rising up. And take note of something here that's vitally important for us. Absalom is David's son. He can't get much closer than that. You can expect the rising up to come from anywhere. Jesus told us, if you love father and mother, brother and sister more than me, you're not ready for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that his, the love for him would look like hate to your family. And you can expect from those right near you, the, the, the greatest struggle that I've had in my 14 years of ministry here and the 23 years overall since God put me into ministry has been where it has come from people who claim to be brothers and sisters. I have, I, the world has never really went after me. I know what the world's doing. And they know what I'm doing. They, they're not near the ones, but it's been there. And my point is the trouble can rise up from very close. And that's significant because we have to. And as soldiers of Christ, according to what he, Paul told Timothy, you have been called into the ministry so you can expect persecution. And when I mean called into the ministry, I mean you've been called to Christ Jesus. You have a ministry. Don't think you don't. Oh, well, I'm not the preacher. I'm not this. I'm not called. I'm not paid. I'm not this. You have a ministry if you're in the kingdom. And Paul said, I suffer because I have been called to be these things. In his case, he said, an apostle a preacher of the gospel. And because of that, I suffer. That's the reason. Because I've been called to this, I suffer. He says, nonetheless, if you're going to be in this, you've got to understand something, Timothy. Understand that a good soldier doesn't concern himself with the things of the world. One of the things I want to encourage us with as we go into the new year is we can't open what the world's doing. I don't care if all of New York's politicians come down to Florida. Spend all the money you have down here and help our economy. I'm all about it. 
Spend every nickel you got down here, because we don't have a state income tax. Hello, New York. But come down here and spend your money. We get it from tourists, so bring everybody down. Right? <laughs> or, get, or get converted, amen. <laughs> but he said, but don't entangle yourself with the things of the world. Why? Because he said, you, as a good soldier, you want to please him who's enlisted you. You want to please the one that's enlisted you. And so I want you to be mindful of that. As the world rises up against you and you continue to greatly and, and more and please the one that you, you can expect him to do that. But keep your focus on pleasing the one who's enlisted you. He goes on to say that somebody who's running the race, the athlete who's trying to master that, the word there is mastery of it, is trying to, use, to master that, does it within the rules. And as you try to master the faith, as you try to master what God's put you in, let's be blameless about it. Let's don't be the one they can accuse. Let's don't be the ones they can attack. Let's don't be the ones that go, oh, well, they, you know, they do this, but they don't do that. Uh, here's one, guys. Let me just throw this out here. When they say, if, if, when they say to you, if you want to come in our store, you've got to wear a mask. Or you can wear the mask. Either way, but let's be the one who's blameless. I'm going to stand there and have a fight with them about it. You wouldn't, say, you wouldn't think twice if they said no shirt, no service. And I'm not trying to get on masks. My point is, let's, let us be the blameless ones. Let us, let us achieve this by the rules. Let us be the ones. Every time I go in to see my mama, every day, it's the same thing. Have you been around anybody who's had COVID? No. Have you been uh, anybody seasoned? Have your medical conditions changed? No. Let me take your temperature. Okay, fine. Sign this paper. Oh, you're going to need a mask. Okay, thank you. And I go in there, and as soon as I get down the hall, nobody's got me. I continue on and see mom and visit with mom, and I come back, and I, and I throw it in the garbage can on my way out. Okay. Or I can stand there and pitch a fit with me. Well, I got, you know, you know what I mean? I could. And, it's, and what's the point? It doesn't make me blameless. I'm not, I'm not taking mastery of this the way God would have. If, my person, if I'm going to be troubled, let it be because we stand solely and completely on the gospel. That's the reason we should suffer persecution. I shouldn't suffer persecution because I'm a criminal. The guy who pulls you over for doing 70 to 55 is not persecuting you. Okay, he's not. I'm not. My point is, let's be blameless. He goes on to say that the farmer is the first one who should partake of the crops. And the key to that is, is that whatever you're doing today may not see fruit till sometime later. You don't put a seed in the ground and have it come up the same day and eat fruit from it. There's a season for it. So I want you to know that what you're doing now, there's a season to it. And that crop that you're hoping to see produced, which is the gospel in somebody's life, coming to fruition and changing their soul, by the blood of the Lamb, may come in a season, and you'll be the first one to get to partake of the joy that comes with seeing that person converted. That's what we should be looking for. That's what Paul told Timothy. Those troubles increase. Oh, from things, they're going to be there. Many who rise up against me, and they're going to say, there is no help for you in God. I personally, have listened to people more than I should when they say things like this to me. I take it far more personally than I should because they have no saying on what my soul is. They have no bearing. They have no control. They don't know. 
Only them and God can say, there is no help for me. Only, him, only God and myself, let me say it that way. They can't. Don't listen to them when they say there is no help for you in God because the fact of the matter is the only help for you is in God. The world hasn't offered help. You guys have all been, many of you have been where I'm starting to walk now. I'm going to go meet tomorrow with some folks about my mother's care and all these things. And they're offering things. But the fact is, unless God intervenes, there's not any help. There truly isn't because the help is for her to get well enough to come home and, and be about the things she loves to do. And every one of many of you have been there. Some of you are ahead of me in this path. Right? And I appreciate that. Some of you are behind me looking forward. So what do I got to, let's just set, set the same example. But they're going to rise up and they're going to say there is no help for him in God. So the first thing you've got to understand as you walk into the new year is there's trouble. <laughs> and there's going to be more of it as the day approaches. Second thing that we want to see from this is the fact is that we have to acknowledge where our help comes from. Until you humble yourself to the point and going, I only have help in Jesus Christ, you have no help. You have to acknowledge that that's where it comes from. And when God is helping you, it manifests itself in the form of one way is the brethren that you know who help you. Family who comes and sits with so-and-so, who does that, who tends to that, who sits a meal out, who teaches a lesson, who tries to do these things in your life. These are the things, this is the way that help is manifested. But your help must come forward. You have to acknowledge that. And until you do, you will continue to suffer with the troubles of those who are rising up against you. They will say things that will impact you. They will do things that will impact you. But as long as you depend on you for your help. Look what he says, verse 2, or verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. A shield. What is it? By faith we have the shield of faith to protect us from the flaming darts of the wicked one who his henchmen are throwing at us constantly, constantly raising up to do things to us. It's interesting, the shield here is not a huge thing. You've got to be pretty skilled with this, I've just come to realize. The way it's presented, the way that soldier does, you, know, you, you might have to be able to... Your faith is going to have to move a little bit from time to time. Because if I were throwing things, I'd be trying to get every free moment, every free spot that was there. You think the enemy's not? You, O oh Lord, are my shield. God Himself is my covering. He's my banner. He's my hat. When Corinthians talks about a covering, he's very specifically talking about the Lord Jesus Christ being the man and the husband covering his wife. That's what the passage is. Jesus is our covering. He's my covering. Look what he says, though. Not only is he my covering, but he goes on to say, my glory. And I'm going to submit, if we, read this, if we don't read this carefully, we will come away about it being me. But my glory here is the praise and honor and worship that I offer up. So what it's, this, David is saying, I'm not going to praise even the army that may come deliver me. I'm not going to praise the Absalom and what he's doing or not doing. I'm not praising any of that. My glory, my praise and honor and worship is to God. I thank God for the people down at Palm Gardens. They've done a marvelous job, Tim and Mama. And many of you have these same testimonies. 
but it's God who's done it. He is getting the praise and the honor and the worship because of it. That's what he means. This is what he's saying. But you, O Lord, are my shield. You're my protection. You, O Lord, are the one who I worship and praise and give honor to. You are the one who should get this. You're the one who lifts up my head. We need to keep our heads lifted up this year. One of the quickest ways to get hurt is to walk like this. How do I know when I go backpacking and it's time for me to stop? It's really simple because I start walking like this. It's time to stop walking. Or throw off a pack. And I've noticed when I go backpacking, I start out with a lot of cool stuff and I end up with nothing because I'm just dumping stuff as I go. <laughs> I didn't really need that. I don't really need that. That's how your life is. You start out with a lot of stuff you think is very cool, but you start in throwing stuff out as you go along. I don't need this. I don't need this. I need to walk with my head up. Why? Because Christ is the one who's lifted me. Nothing more than the world to beat us down and to talk to us and tell us, oh, you guys aren't going to make it. You have to give up. Don't you see what's going on? There's more, there's more followers of Islam than there is Christians right now. Don't you know you need to give up? Your outdated, antiquated religion that doesn't mean anything. You, you know, spaghetti monster in the sky worshiping. This fake thing. You just need to give that up. All your tithe goes to someplace and somebody else spends it. You need to give that up. See, the world's wanting to beat you down with such silly words. And the reason you can stand up is not because you think something, but because you are known by someone. You are known by God. Through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows you. And because He knows you, healed. Guys, do not think you're going to go out today and the enemy's going to take it off because it's the start of the new year. He didn't party on New Year's Eve and just wore out and can't make the day. Alright? He's, he, he, he's, he's ready. He's got henchmen working. God is your shield. And give your glory to the only one who deserves it. Give your praise, honor, and worship to the one who deserves it. And let him lift up your head. So you've got to acknowledge he's the one. And until you start acknowledging he's the one, until I start acknowledging he's the one, then I don't have a shield. My worship goes somewhere else, and I start walking like this. Hopeless, helpless, lost. It's not what it is. David was being chased by his son who wanted to take his kingdom and kill him. The enemy wants to take the kingdom from Jesus and kill his children. God is our shield. He is my glory. He is the lifter of my head. When we start doing that, Look what happens. Four. I cried to the Lord with my voice and He heard me from His holy hill. When you acknowledge that He's where the help comes from, then you actually got to call on God. I know, that's a, I know that seems like, what? You actually got to call on God. And notice the cry here. It's not just that He went really loud. He's not the town crier. There's genuine 
weeping over his condition because David understands that part of what's going on here is his failures as a dad. Go back and read. He should have dealt with Absalom a lot sooner than now. See, what happens to all of us is we let sin manifest lives. We let it settle in. We let it simmer like soup and wait for it to come up to be just right. And we don't deal with it when we should. And so now he's crying to the Lord because he knows what's happened. The son wants to kill him. I can't imagine. And yet God knows because he knows what it's like when all of creation wants to take him and take him off the throne and replace him with themselves. He understands. He said, He cried to the Lord with my voice, and He heard me out of His holy hill. Think about that. The God of the universe that holds everything from here to here in His span, stands in eternity, has heard your cry for help out of seven billion people who are making noise on the planet. God has heard you. Out of all of that, well, my boy Robin's calling me. He's genuinely calling me, not just hoping he'll, I'll get him like I was when I was lost and I'd get drunk and say, just get me through the night and I'll, I'll never do this again. Till 4 o'clock next afternoon when it was back to quitting time. And here we go again. Like some kind of fool that I was. No, genuine crying because he's genuinely beginning to understand he needs it and he admits it and he's humbling himself before me. This is what the cry is. We've got to understand that those enemies are rising up against us, are going to kill us, they're going to take us out. We only have one hope that's in him and we need to call on him. You've got loved ones you hope to see saved. You won't be able to save them. You won't change their condition. You won't make them behave. You won't make them do right. You won't make them do nothing. God who made them who made them can remake them. So we've got to cry out to Him. And He hears out of His holy hill. Man, isn't that good? God's hearing me from His place of holiness. I need to meditate on that for a few minutes. Just sit there and think, wow, the God of the universe is listening to me cry out to Him. Not because I'm special, but because He is. Not because I'm good, but because He is. Because the God of the universe does right. He hears me. And you know what? Think about this a minute. You know you got enemies rising up. You know there's people coming up. The world's doing it. We all understand that. We, we are saying we know where this help is. We, he is the lifter of our head. We know and we have cried unto the Lord and we know we're getting help. We know this to be true. Look how we respond. I love this. I lay down and slept. I lay down and slept. If sleep, and I mean rest, in the world that's going on, you are trusting Jesus. Because if it's not, you'll be up every half hour checking your door, checking your window, checking the bolts, checking the dock, checking the guns, checking the bullets, checking the bank account, checking everything because the world's going crazy. And if I didn't have the peace of the Father resting in me, I'd be sitting all the time checking these things. Come on, tell the truth. You know they can get into your bank account and they, don't, and they don't need you to do it. You know them little questions on Facebook? What was your place of residence when you were a child? Well, I lived in Lake Helen. Oh, let's go check your passwords and see if I have anything. 
Oh, we just got it in your account. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> Appreciate you buying us some more junk. I can get all the bullets I want stocked up in my, book, my bullet supply, and they'll stand in Jacksonville and blow my house away with what they have available. See, none of that matters. That's why when I trust Jesus, I can lay down and sleep because he's my hope. And what they fail to understand, what they so completely fail to grasp, because they don't know who our Lord is and they don't know him, and he's, he would say to them, I don't know, is that for me to die is Christ. It's gain for me to pass out of here. I've noticed that more and more when I've, when I've been at many a bedside and walked with that part of life for folks. The Christians, the ones who've trusted God, oh, they have emotion. Don't misunderstand. But they're not fearful. The conversation is always, make sure, Brother Robin, that you check on my wife, child, whoever it is they want me to tend to. Make sure that they have what they need. See to them. Would you get so-and-so to come here? I want to talk to them. Would you get so I want to, I want to share something with them before I go. Over and over again, that's how it is. Because they know when they leave here, they go into the presence of the living God. That's why they can sleep. That's why we can enter into true rest. Because we know who we believed in, and we are persuaded that He's able to keep those things that we've committed unto Him against the day. That's why. He says, I lay down and slept, I awoke. For the Lord sustains me. That's why you'll be able to go out of here this afternoon and you'll be able to go home and do whatever you're going to do and get up in the morning and face the day because you have trusted the Lord and He is sustaining you. Well, let's go. We can go do it. That's the good news. It's going to be a long year. Or to be real short, depending on where you are on the calendar. Mine are getting shorter, I've noticed. says, I awake for the Lord sustains me. Look at this now. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. David knows that the people of Israel have sided with Absalom and there's at least this many who have greed with him and are attempting to make Absalom king. I'm here to say to you today that there's many out there who agree with the evil one, the wicked one, Satan, and they're attempting to make him king. And they can all well up around us. And let me go ahead and give you something. They are. Sooner or later, they are. Because the goal is our destruction completely and totally as believers by the enemy and the people who are being deceived by him or being used by him for that purpose. Though all of them raise up, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Remember when David, or when Jesus was, the crowd was coming in around him, they were going to stone him for the things he was doing. Remember a particular story? And what does he do? Just trucks on through. Just walk right on through. Like it was, eh. no, wasn't afraid. Remember when he was in the boat and they came to him and said, Jesus, do you care? We're perishing. Because the waves were rolling. And the water is usually a representation of the especially with the parables. And Jesus is over there. Really? Okay. Uh, you know, okay. Be still. When we walk in Christ, they can raise up all they want. I'm not afraid. 
I don't want to get into it. I would love peaceable and quiet lives. I would love our nation to repent and believe. I would love for everything to turn. I would love for them to shut down abortion mills. I would love for them to, to stop the evil taxation. I would love for them to control our border. I would love for them to do a lot of things in my nation, but until they repent, none of that's going to change. And it was unrepentance that brought those things about. It wasn't the other way around. It was unrepentance which allowed for abortion. Not abortion which we need to repent from. We need to repent so we'll stop these things. But I'm not going to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. No matter who sets themselves against me. Here's why. Because God's going to work. I want you to know God is going to work. You can go through the Old Testament and read story after story where God worked. He's going to work. Look at verse 7. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. You have struck all my enemies on the You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. There's a powerful picture being presented here. First of all, we see whenever, especially in Old Testament dichotomy and, 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 and kingdoms, when the king would arise, this is a picture of something is about to happen that work is about to be done, that the king is moving to change a thing or do a thing. When the king would rise up, it was seen as, yes, he's heard what I've asked. He's now moving in that direction. He's going to provide. He's going to direct. He's going to help. So the picture here with David is seen, arise, O Lord. Stand up. Think about it. Remember when Stephen was being stoned to death? Remember that picture to the side there that we get? And what does it say? And Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus, what? Standing at the right hand of the Father. When the Bible tells us he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but yet we here we see a picture where Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because he's fixing to do something. And what he's fixing to do is say, come on, Stephen. Come on in, baby. I got a place. Well done. You just stay right here with me until I take care of the rest of this. And you'll return with me and the ten thousands of the saints, and we'll get to church. So you just be right here. Stephen's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the stones hurt him. I know it was bad, but it was a fleeting moment compared to their joy from that moment forward. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. Look, let's make could it be any plainer? Save me. Save me, not only from the, my, my soul needs saving in terms of sin, but I need saving in this world. It's an all-encompassing statement. Save me, O Lord. And it directs it at the only one who's capable of doing it. He doesn't go to Absalom asking for help. We see later on in, in, in Samuel that when David learns that Absalom is dead, he doesn't rejoice. He doesn't have a party. He specifically says, Cushite, tell me what's happened. And he said that your enemies have been defeated, king. about Absalom? He said, I would that all your enemies were as that young man. And David broke down and cried, Absalom, Absalom, my son Absalom, oh, that I had died for you. I want you to know, friends, that there was one who said that about you. It was you had died the day Adam and Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We died as a species spiritually speaking. And Jesus said, I'm going to die for you so my son, my children can live. That's the good news here today. 
And then he says, you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. This picture here of striking them on the cheekbone is not John Wayne, by the way. Okay? Not even Clint Eastwood or Ben Diesel or whoever your guy is. Okay? I'm telling my age, John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. Some of you guys got other guys. I get it. All right? Because we always think of it like this. Right? Something like that. That's not what it is. It's like this. Somebody like that, not only did they slap your teeth out, but they totally disrespected you in doing it. And he goes for the teeth because the teeth represent the terror and, and the power in which they have. And the king said, ah! knock their teeth out. And I'm so disrespecting you, I'm not even going to look at you when I do it. That's what's fixing to happen to the enemy. We don't have to worry about him. You don't have to worry because God's fixing to go and knock him through eternity right into the lake of fire. That's a picture. I'd love to see that in a CGI, wouldn't y'all? <laughs> I have a story here to tell you about this, and I've shared this before, and this is one of the reasons this is one of my favorite stories, our favorite passages. Back when I had my construction business, we were doing a project in a place called Weewahitchka. And Weewahitchka is at the bottom of the Dead Lakes in the Panhandle. It's right near Panama City and Springfield. And we were doing a housing authority project, and, and it was... It was a big job. We were losing money. Okay, I'm just telling you, we were losing money. I mean, like hemorrhaging. <laughs> it was not a good job. I was. It was a good job spiritually and teaching me some things, but financially, whew. anyway. So we're we're there to do the first seven inspections on the buildings we're working on, and the, the guy who's in charge. Me and him were like oil and water. Okay, and so he's doing the inspections. And we go through one unit of inspections in half a day. Now, we're supposed to do all of these in half a day. We do one building in half. My punch list is longer than the specifications were for the project to start with. I got more to fix than I had when I got into the project. And somebody says, Mr. Bozeman, I think is who it was. He was the architect's rep. He says, well, maybe we ought to go to lunch and think about this a little bit. I said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go to lunch. What could you do to me there? I mean, you know. So we go to lunch, and there's a little place there in Weewahitchkin. It was all you can eat. And, they, man, it was, it was like going to Miss Charlotte's Kitchen now, by the way. I mean, it was, you know, it was good. Right? So, so the man who's given us just a, a fit, and I'm just praying, Lord, I need deliverance. Because if he doesn't turn me loose, I'm going to die right here today. Right? And, and so we go in and start to eat, and he gets, I never forget it, he gets a fried pork chop and sits down. Now I prayed, ask God to bless the food. And he bites into the pork chop and spits out a tooth. Pow! Spits out a tooth. Blood and pork chop and tooth come out of his mouth. It wasn't a pork chop, it was him. And you know, I got to go get this fixed. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Poor feller. <laughs> so he's got to go get this fixed. So he leaves, and they bring in another feller to do the rest of the inspections. This feller who's, works for the housing authority, but he's a pastor of a local church up there. Now, he, was, he, he gave us punch list. Now, don't misunderstand me. But it was an answer to my prayer. We did the rest of them in a couple hours. Okay, do the work. Yes, sir. We're good. Thanks. 
He's off getting his tooth fixed. And this whole psalm popped in my head on the way home, four and a half hours from Weewa, driving home, going, yes, Lord, thank you for delivering me. Yes! You say, what are you talking about? I'm just telling you, when God's for you, who can be against you? And if he has to take a man's tooth out with a pork chop to get you some relief, he can do it. <laughs> now, don't misunderstand me. I went back to my superintendent and said, what is this whole book of, what are we doing here? You know, was, we went through all that. But that's, the point is, he can break the teeth of the ungodly. He can take care of your situation. When you go to him, when you understand that the world is rising against you, when you acknowledge where your help comes from, when you call on him, he's able, he's willing, and he will deliver you. That's what this year is about. This year is about us walking in Christ and seeing him deliver us at every step of the way. That's truly to go. Why? Because of verse 8, and we'll wrap up. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David understood that if he was going to be delivered from Absalom, it had to come from God. If he was going to be placed back into the kingdom, it was going to have to come from God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's the only one who can save. David understood it. We need to understand it. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He's the only one who can deliver you. He's the only one who's going to deliver us as a nation, us as a people, us as a world. It's Him. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And when you trust Him, when you believe Him, when you experience His salvation, His blessing is upon you. And that's the good news here today. Enjoy your year in Christ, knowing that He has it. Let's pray together. Father, we love You. We thank You. And we give You all the praise for being our deliverer. Father, we acknowledge there's troubles on every turn. There's people, even right now, where probably men and women are thinking of something or someone. Father, help us. Help us first to worship you. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're the God of the living. You're our God and our King. You're able. You can do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think according to this power that works within us. It's your power. You can do these things. You can take care of every situation. We acknowledge you. We ask for your help. We can't fix our country. We can't fix politicians. We can't fix, I can't, I can't fix anything. You can. We're asking. And we're going to just rest in you, Lord. We're going to be the people that's resting. Day by day, trusting you. And when we awake, we're going to go out and do what you have us to do. You'll take care of the teeth of the ungodly. You'll deal with them. We're going to submit to you. We love you and we thank you here today in Jesus' name. Amen.